This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Kaylin Less. A quick note before we kick off today's episode. I wanted to share with you that this conversation was recorded a few weeks ago, long before our routines had been thoroughly knocked off their axis, but also right around the time we knew big changes were coming. And since then, just like you, we've been responding as quickly as we can to challenges we've never experienced before. And while all this sudden change has been difficult to manage, it's also powerful evidence of how agile we really are. We can pivot when required and adapt our behaviors to changing environments. But here's the thing, reacting to change will only bring you so far. Tapping into the power of selected discipline to build the right habits for your new normal, it's where the extraordinary becomes possible. This is why we've extended the Living Your One Thing community trial from 14 to 66 days. Why 66? Because on the upside, a lot can change in 66 days. And on the downside, a lot can change in 66 days. And amidst all the uncertainty we're surrounded by, the role of this community feels more important than ever before. Because accountability is the lifeline that we all need right now. Behavior change is happening whether we like it or not. So get ahead of it by purposefully choosing the habits you need to push through this thing stronger. We're kicking off our next community-wide 66-day challenge on April 6th. And we'd love for you to join us. Just go to theonething.com. That's with the number one in the URL slash habits, where you can sign up and get that 66-day trial for free. Today, we're going to hear from someone who knows a thing or two about habit formation. He's lived it firsthand while also digging into the research that is the foundation of the 66-day challenge. As you listen to the episode today, we want you to pay close attention to how forming habits is about more than just behavior change. It's about getting clarity on the activities required to become the person you are striving to be. It's about the daily choices that define your future self. It's leaning into habits as a system for small daily improvements that with time add up to extraordinary results. With that, let's get into today's episode with Jay Pepisan. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is, Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So Jay, tell me a little bit about just researching when you were writing the book and you were looking into habits. How did the 66-day challenge get started? So um, the backstory is we were working our way through the lies. We asked the question, if you knew what your one thing was, wouldn't it just make sense to make it a habit, right? We Gary has been great at that in his life. When he understands that this this activity is fundamental to his long-term success, he just incorporates it into his lifestyle. 
And that raised the question, well, what does it mean to form a habit? How does someone do that? And we started grabbing all the books that we had on our bookshelves around self-help. And people said either 21 days or 30 days. And we were looking for footnotes and a lot of self-help doesn't do actual research, right? It's all anecdotal. And people started quoting each other. And you know, um, Darren Hardy is quoting Zig Ziglar and Zig Ziglar is quoting so-and-so. And there was this kind of round robin. And the closest we've come to figuring out where it came from was a book called Psycho-Cybernetics that came out in the 60s. And there was a guy, Max Maltz, I believe, and he was a plastic surgeon. And he noticed, and this is just anecdotally, right? That after he did a nose job or a tummy tuck or whatever, it took about 21 days for his patients to get used to their new appearance. And he commented on that. And so one of the earliest references to like the source was, I think, Zig Ziglar quoting Maxwell, or Maltz rather. And so I think they got this idea from this anecdotal observation that it took 21 days to change your perspective. Therefore, that's a habit. So we kind of at some point we realized, okay, this is all kind of made up stuff. It may have some truth to it because it's persisted for half a century. But what's the truth? And luckily, around 2009, when we were in the thick of this, there were some real research being done. And I cannot quote you the actual research paper, but I know we talked to two groups. One was in Australia and the other in Europe. And we got the the researchers on the phone. And the research at the time was showing that on average, it took 66 days to take 95% of the effort out of any behavior. And they were declaring that that moment, 95% of the work is gone, right? It never goes completely unconscious. That's the other thing they learned. But that's kind of when they said, that's a habit. That's a habit. You still have to think about it just a little bit, but it's going to kind of happen automatically for you now. And that took 66 days on average. And when we talked to the group in Australia, I believe, they actually shared like their whole you know, tables and some habits formed in 18 days and some habits took over 254. And so the first thing I usually tell people is 66 days is very instructive and in that it's about three times as long as most people thought it took. So you had to stick with it for starters. And then it also can take longer. But that was the big idea. And the 66-day challenge, it was funny. You, I, you, before we started talking, you shared that question with me. And it made me think. The 66-day challenge right, versus just 66 days to form a habit, that idea of making it a challenge actually came from the fact that we were working with an entrepreneur who had launched a health food company. And they had trademarked a 21-day challenge. And the guy remarked, um, hey, this is because it takes 21 days to form a habit. And we were like, man, that's really smart. And so we're looking up like a couple of years later, we're doing this research and like, oh, it's 66 days. Um, that gentleman, um, I don't know if he was still in business or was on his way out. We're like, okay, let's just dive in and let's trademark that because that's really instructive. We'll have a 66-day challenge. We'll help people change the behaviors they need to change so they can do the things they need to do to be successful. Back up just a little bit and talk more about behavior change because we know that not all behavior change is created equal, right? So Mm -hmm. when I'm looking to form a habit, some behaviors might take far longer than 66 days and some might might happen very quickly or they might appear to happen very quickly. How do I know the difference? How do I know when it's actually a habit? You know, there's no like... I can't give you like some scientific answer, right? So this is where the art meets the science. What I can tell you is the reason most people fall off the wagon is they declare victory far too earlier. 
we've helped a lot of people do 66-day challenges. And at different times, we've tracked their actual efforts. And it's somewhere, you know, it's 10 weeks roughly. And somewhere in that four to six weeks, there's kind of the messy middle. And it's where people start going, wow, this is really easy. I'm in, I've got a tailwind behind me. You know, maybe if they're on a diet, like the weight's starting to come off, like they're starting to see results. There's all this positive momentum and they want to switch to a new habit. And when they do that, most of them don't keep the original habit. All they've done is change their focus and done something different and the old thing falls away. Um, sometimes it doesn't, but that's not... We now know that's not something we want people to do. We want them to stick with it for the whole 66 days and probably longer. I typically don't ever launch a 66-day challenge right after the next one. I'll give it a little time. You know, Take a few weeks and look up and go, should I double down? Because sometimes it doesn't feel set. Right? You might miss a day or two and go, wow, if I'm not actually focused on this, it's still not there. I think most people kind of know when that happens. And it's a lot longer than they think. One example, there's a woman named Veronica that we used to work with. Um, one of the hardest things to do is shed a bad habit. And I've shed this one. I used to be a smoker um, back in my youth, right? When I thought that was maybe cool or something. And Veronica was a smoker and asked for advice on you know, doing a 66-day challenge. And I just said, well, I'll support you. Put your 66-day calendar out where people can see it. And she really... She worked her way through 66 days and it was tough. And she came in my office with tears in her eyes and was like, we did it um, 66 days. And I asked her, I said, do you still have cravings? And she goes, yeah, every now and then. Um, Does it feel like you're really, really done? And she goes, not completely. And I said, well, why don't you just do another one? And she looked a little downtrodden. like She wanted 66 days to be the finish line, but she went ahead and put up a new calendar and started over. And it was really around 120 days, almost twice as long as 66 days, right? She came in my office and she goes, I haven't thought about a cigarette in almost two weeks. Do you think it's okay to quit? And I was like, you sound pretty confident. And she goes, I think I am. And she hasn't smoked since. So giving yourself a little grace, right? You know, Just giving yourself a little space to know that it's set so you can move on and know that this thing is... Okay, this is on automatic now. I'm good to go. And by moving on, you really mean to stop tracking the behavior, right? Because one of the misconceptions is that people think 66 days, I cross that finish line, I move to the next, but then the behavior change actually doesn't stick. And they feel really good about having gotten through 66 days. And it always feels good to do something and to cross that finish line. But the goal is not just to finish 66 days. Mm -hmm. It's actually to change that behavior for good. So it's the first 66 days or the first 120 days. So then I, I like what you said, though, that it's just a matter of really saying, is there, do I have, have I earned the right to do that next thing, to add that next thing? Because this is on automatic. Yeah. And I know that we technically, you could squeeze five 66 day challenges into a year. And so if all of the behavior change you're trying to add onto your life really did fit into the median, right? The average that it takes, and you're good. But I don't think it's one size fits all. Some might actually happen faster. And some are going to take longer. And you just have to pay attention if it's really important to you. Jay, talk a little more about that, it being important to you. What do you mean by that? Well, first off, if you're trying to build it into a habit, hopefully it's really important because it's, it's actually kind of stressful. One of the things when we were building our training around um, forming a 66, you know, 66 day challenge and making a habit out of your one thing, we were telling people it was going to reduce their stress. And we were surveying them. And they were feeling really confident about their future. 
Um, they were loving the actual results they were getting during the process, and their and their stress was up, not down. And I was like, "What? Yeah, we promised <laughs> less stress, but behavior change is hard, right? Um, we all know this, right? You you've got a groove going, and you're trying to change where your groove is, and that takes focus, and it takes focus over time, and and all of your friends and family may not be behind it. Maybe you're trying to lose weight, and they really want to keep eating pizza and ice cream. And so it can create friction around you. So if it really matters, then you're a lot more likely to persevere through some of those speed bumps. You're a lot more likely to, when you're having a bad day, a weak day, to rally and remind yourself, hey, this is really important. You know, like quitting smoking, like the stakes are really high. Like I don't want to die. I want to see my grandkids. But flossing teeth, I mean... We know it's really good for us, but it doesn't feel as dangerous to fail. So you have to think about it. You have to understand why is this important? It's actually just for the record, flossing your teeth is one of the things that will add more years to your life than almost anything other than quitting smoking or really bad drugs for your body. Um, but if you, you have to understand what the stakes are. I'll add one thing in terms of how people mess up. Um, I thought about it when I was saying they switched too soon. The other thing I think they do is they set themselves up for failure from the very beginning, Galen. What they do is they they take on too much. So they look up and it's New Year's or whatever, and they're focused on really feeling good about their bodies, you know, come springtime and swimsuit season or whatever. That's like a it's a cliche, right? But it's a true one for a reason, because a lot of people use the beginning of the year to reset their health goals. And some of it is about self-image, some of it is about, you know, their doctor's advice, whatever that would be. And they'll set a goal around, I want to lose pounds or I want to do this. And what they've really done is they've set about 10 habits in one. Hmm. And so you have to be really careful how you approach. If you've set a goal and a 66-day challenge around an outcome instead of an activity, my 66-day challenge is to lose 10 pounds. Awesome. That's possible. It's 10 weeks. That's a pound a week. You could actually do this. But they may be mixing up all of their activities. They may be trying to do portion control, which means that they have to shop differently and prepare their food differently in addition to eating smaller portions. They might be wanting to get up and go to the gym early so that they're adding some you know, calisthenics and cardio or weightlifting to this routine so that those pounds will come off better and be replaced with muscle. Awesome. I love it. But getting up early might mean you have to form the habit of going to bed on time. And then you have to form the habit of going to the gym. And then you have to form the habit of actually doing the work. So if you're not careful, you can look up and you've got this ball of twisted wire that you're calling one habit and it's really 10. So focus on the activity, right? I am going to do just one thing. I'm going to do portion control. And if you do that, then you're just focused on like, I'm going to eat on small plates, right? You're going to have to make it really simple Otherwise, it gets complex really quickly. And now people are kind of stumbling over the habits they're trying to form at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, 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 I felt that and I've seen that. When someone's got that big wiry mess of like many habits that they're calling one, and then when they fail to be successful, it actually it, it just hurts so bad because they then are like, I'm not cut out for this. You know, I just don't have the discipline. And then they give up altogether and they give up on 10 habits because they tried to start so many all at once. So how do you... I mean, we understand that conceptually in our brain, but we're also pretty ambitious sometimes. And we think, yeah, Mm -hmm. but I can do it. 
How do you unpack all of those different activities in order to truly identify that lead domino that makes all of the rest easier or necessary? First, you ask the question, right? What's the one thing I can do? And that naturally should lead you to an activity. And then if not, you just kind of peel the onion. We talk about in our training, creating accountable goals, right? You look up and you ask, is this really one thing or is it two? Am I, is there something, a smaller domino that really is tied to this one that I could do instead? And you just kind of have to, to question it. And sometimes, honestly, I've been doing this now for a while and so have you. You understand sometimes you set out and you realize because you're paying attention that you've taken on too much. Give yourself permission to back up and start over, right? Sometimes a little trial and error goes a long way. But in the beginning, I say, set yourself up for success. Use the question. Maybe get a couple of people to look at it. You know, I love the question um, that we use. You know, how will I know you're successful, right? Have you really outlined this? And is this truly an activity or is it a whole bunch? If you're focused on implementing one activity, you can build a habit around that. And I've seen people stack them, right? You know, the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. I love it. And a lot of people are great. And he has, I think, somewhat successfully gotten people to try to stack about five habits into one hour of focus or 30 minutes of focus early in the morning. But it's a lot of habits. And when I talk to people, they'll usually talk about the one thing that stuck from that journey. Oh, I'm still journaling or I'm still getting up early, right? Um, I rarely talk to someone who's doing all of those things. And I think that's as a result. But I think their program was designed to, to kind of accommodate that. But I usually am asking, is it one thing? I'd rather do one thing at a time, build that habit, and then add it on. I don't know if that was helpful or not, but that was kind of... Again, I feel like we're into the, the art, not the science. I wish there was like, oh, here's a rule. Put it under this magnifying glass. And if it turns yellow, it's a one thing. Well, instead of rules, because I wish that I wish we had those too. That would be way easier to follow sort of a formula, but because we're so different and we all have different challenges, I guess what about your experience? How many 66 day challenges have you gone on approximately? I have no idea. I was actually trying to track that down for this interview. A lot. Um, I have I started keeping digital records along the way of some of them. And so I would probably say on average, I've done one to two a year for the last, I don't know, 12 years. So maybe 2024, consciously, I've done some sort of effort to use this tool. And I was looking at those and some of them have become habits. You know, um, I feel like I'm really good at flossing my teeth. Even though my mom was a dental hygienist, it just didn't stick in my youth. We've gotten really good as a family at like making our bed, having dinner as a family, workout routines. And then there's things that we do. And I think we consciously did them for a period of time, knowing that it would end, but it would make us better. So before shoulder surgery, I knew that after the shoulder surgery, I had rotator cuff, I would do these you know, band exercises to strengthen my shoulder. And so on the advice of my doctor, he said, you, know, you should start doing those earlier. I did a 66-day challenge before and after. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I wanted to use that framework to build a new activity into my life and be accountable to it because I knew if I did the work before the surgery, the work after the surgery would be that much easier. And it was true. And but then I stopped. Like I don't still carry those green and red rubber bands around and and work on my rotator cuff because that's fixed. Right. Um, I did the same thing to try to become a better typist. I never took typing. So I've done, I think, three different challenges where for 66 days. 
I would spend 10, maybe um, five to 10 minutes. I think that's the two timeframes I've used to practice my typing consciously every morning. <laughs> and that's helped me be faster at that skill. But it's not something like, I don't need to do that every day. I'm not going to be a sonographer. I'm not, you know, it's not a talent I need. It was a skill I wanted to build. So I use that framework. But there are other things like I've, I've incorporated supplements into my daily routine. And that's actually a couple of habits. I have to remember to take them every day. But then I usually have a habit um, one day a week, I prep the entire week's pills, right? I've got all these different supplements that I have to take because I'm becoming an old man. And so it, you know, it's kind of like meal prep for your food. I have to do that for my supplements now. So I don't know. That's just kind of a smorgasbord of them. But we've done a lot of them over the years. And some have been intentionally short-term and some have been intentionally long-term. Do you feel like you could guess or approximate how many you failed? How many were just a bust? Oh, um, maybe a third of them, right? A third of them had to be restarted. I'm pretty good at going back and admitting failure and starting over if it's important to me. Meditation, I think I tried three times to make it a habit for all the right reasons, research, health, all of that. The last time I really gave it um, a serious go, I went 159 days. I tracked 159 days of every day meditating. And it was like really good. I got very good. I was using this thing called the Muse. And um, it was an app I could put on to see when I was the D waves were going in my brain. And I got to get there really fast. You know, I was like, wow, I can just sit down, I can do these breathing exercises, and I can get there really fast. And then the Christmas holiday showed up. And for two straight weeks, I didn't meditate and I didn't even realize I wasn't meditating anymore. And I looked up and I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> How can I go that long? And it, I'm not even conscious that I'm failing. And so I have done a meditation challenge since, but I did not, I wasn't thinking habit. I don't know if there's something about me that that's just one that maybe I'm not committed to, right? Maybe it's an intellectual thing. Because um, I do tend to keep coming back. I sleep really well. I don't have high blood pressure. So maybe those things are, I'm naturally doing it. But when I had um, back surgery, I talked to my surgeon about it. And she said, I really want you to meditate and listen to this very specific meditation every day. It'll help your healing. And I did it for like 50 days post surgery. And when she kind of said, You're good to go, I stopped. But it didn't feel like a failure. It was kind of like the prehab or the rehab. I used it when I needed it. But for whatever reason, that's one of the ones. And there may be something else I've forgotten that even when I'm trying to be conscious and diligent and trying multiple times, it just didn't stick. And I'm just asking the question, was it really important to me? Maybe that's the clue. Maybe it's a clue that it was not as important as I thought. Therefore, I don't feel guilty or bad about moving on. Yeah, it's interesting. I have talked to a lot of the members in our community and I ask them all, you know, how have you ever done a 66 day challenge? That was one of my first questions as we got ready to kick off these challenges in 2020. And almost 100% of the, the community members, I would ask them and they would just laugh and they were like, of course I have, of course. And I failed so many times. <laughs> and yeah. it's this, uh, I think when you talk about like that conscious effort to track a behavior, there's merit in even that piece of it. And then understanding also, maybe I failed because it wasn't that important to me. Maybe I want to be someone who meditates, but right now that is not the highest priority. So it's just tricky to make it stick. And yeah. it's very humbling and also really empowering to know that 
us just being aware of our behaviors and trying to identify, hey, this maybe could make me a better human being. I'm going to try that. It didn't stick, but the effort has its own merit and it has its own value on your journey to becoming the person you want to become. And I want to walk the line between helping people not pummel themselves, like I'm a failure, and also not license people who may really need to form a habit or break a bad habit. Let's say you're a smoker and I relapsed many times before I finally quit. And yeah, you need to quit and you need to keep trying until it sticks, whatever you have to do, right? So let's be wise about this, right? If it's something that's you really truly need to do, then get help, get accountability. Like I never went to that stage of like hiring a coach, a meditation coach. And if I really thought it would have been life-changing for me and really that was something I actually, I personally needed, I would have made those commitments. I just want to walk that line. I don't want people to beat themselves up because a lot of people are going to fail. They're going to stumble. They're going to have to restart. Or they're going to say, this wasn't the right thing. I need to pivot and go somewhere else. But if it's really, really important to you, start with the framework. If that doesn't work, get a community around you to support you. And then at the most extreme, like, like get accountability. Go get a coach if it's really important to you. Well, and to restate what you said earlier, sometimes it's that you take on too much too soon. So it's mm-hmm. not that that habit becomes like meditation is a great example of one that many people fail because it seems important. We know the research is there, but because the metrics with which to measure that success are really hard, often people kind of bail on it. So maybe it's rather than doing that five minutes or 10 minutes, go to 30 seconds. Or rather than quit smoking, maybe it's just put your cigarettes down when you walk in the house. And if you pick them back up again, that... But it's one behavior that you can track and then you can just Build start to like... Yeah, be aware of it. Start to measure where you're finding yourself feel sort of beat up around it versus where when it is important, how do you just go smaller? Yeah. Going small matters a lot. It really helps. You can start getting positive momentum and that gives you a sense of agency. Um, and then that helps give you a tailwind to keep going. Yeah, it's so interesting. When I talk to people who have... Once you successfully finish a challenge, something happens and your identity starts to shift and you're like, wow, that thing that I thought was really hard and that I took on, and probably throughout the course of the 66 days, it gets boring, it gets hard. You want to kind of give up on it because it's not as exciting as it was. But the minute you cross that sort of 66-day threshold, you sort of get to reflect and say, wow, that was a thing I committed to and I did it and I can commit to anything else and I can try this again. So it's that empowering like license to be successful at choosing one thing and doing it for 66 days. That's right. When you have something that's important, Jay, how do you track things down to that very lead domino that's small? Like what was your most recent challenge actually? So I've done different variations around health a lot, you know, going back a few years. So as you know, I had two spinal surgeries um, within six months of each other. And at the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019, and over the course of those two surgeries, I gained 22 pounds. And so, you know, a lot of that was because I had to really, really reduce my activity. And so when you're a little bit more sedentary, Maybe you're you're getting chocolate for your dopamines. I don't know. I don't I don't know what all happened, but I didn't feel like my diet fell completely apart. But I started pretty steadily gaining pounds, and it wasn't a whole lot at once. It was one of those slippery slopes, like a pound and a half a month, but it just kept coming. And so, towards the end of 2019, 
I started, um, I tried intermittent fasting. I started and nothing was really working. And um, I just kind of went back to the basics. The first time I really significantly made a dent, um, I had a trainer, I had a coach, and he made me track all of my food. He just said, I want you to track everything that you put into your body. Um, that is the one rule. I'm not even going to be really militant about what you put in your body, only that you track every single thing. And he promised that would make a difference. And he was right. So I made the commitment on January 1. So I'm 73 days into it and still going to track everything I ate. Um, and I've lost about 11 pounds. And it's not like some miracle cure or whatever, but I'm very conscious of the nutritional value the caloric content of the things I'm putting in my body. And that consciousness, right, now leads to different behavior. I make better choices. Instead of getting a cup of coffee in the afternoon with creamer in it or sugar in it because I need energy, maybe I'll grab an apple. And that will actually save me from snacking again later or eating too much at a meal. And it just starts to show up. And I remember the first time I had a lot of ahas. There were a lot of things that I thought were okay, guilty pleasures. You know, getting a you know, um, some really cool IPA or whatever. And you look at that and it's like, there's enough calories in that to replace a whole meal. (laughs) (laughs) And so you have to make, you make substitution choices, right? You can say, you know what? I could have um, a glass of wine instead if I really just wanted to treat myself um, and have an adult beverage. I can make better, healthier choices and they don't actually add up to the consequences that I was having. So that's the goal. I actually mentally committed because I don't think that losing too much weight too fast ever stays. I'm trying to make a lifestyle change. I was going to do it for five to six months and try to shed all 22 pounds. That's kind of the outcome I'm looking for. But I'm also hoping to stay with it long enough that I figure out where my equilibrium is. So I'm I'm in my 50s now. My metabolism now, as consciously, I've been conscious of it changing at least three times in my life where what worked before no longer works today. And I think that's one of the things that happened last year. So I'm one going to be committed to getting back to a healthier, more sustainable weight. And then I got to find out what my new normal is and build the lifestyle around it. That's what this habit, I'm hoping this one activity will lead me down that path and make all of those things clear. And so far, so good. So to zoom in on that, the activity is just tracking the food. And that's your mark of success. So if you track the food and you eat French fries and delicious ice cream, and if you are tracking it, it still counts. But the impact of tracking it is that you're learning more about what what is the quality of this food? What am I putting in my body? And it actually is altering your behaviors in how you act and how you eat. Is that correct? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) The first time you put the French fries in there, you're like, "Uh uh-uh. Man, the last time Wendy and I did a cheese, because I do love a good cheeseburger, we went, we both got burgers, and I was like, okay, this is like the big cheese meal. And I remember um, she had French fries, and I ate five, and I stopped. And then I said, I'm going to leave the room if you don't eat the rest of those fries, because I I do not want to be around them, because that was the thing. And the hamburgers are not awesome for you. And they're not awesome for you in terms of caloric content or all that other stuff. But the fries just compounds it massively. I just You just get conscious. There's lots of times I'm in the office and people have those little Snickers bars or they have a thing of candy. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't even want to bother with inputting that in my tracker. 
<laughs> you know, I'm using uh, not like a, I get no paid advertisements, but like my fitness pal, it's really easy, right? You plug it in, it does all of the hard work for you. And I'm like, just looking stuff up is a drag. So it's great. I'm like, okay, just that extra step, knowing that I am, I'm really committed to tracking has kept me from eating a lot of things just because I'm too lazy to track them. When you go on a challenge, you can't control your entire environment. Clearly, there's always going to be little snicker bars in the office and things will sneak up. How have you and Wendy partnered on this challenge to help you be successful? Because it was really important. Well, she started on this challenge. She's no longer on this challenge, but she's supporting this challenge and I'm supporting her. We had been doing it and now we're we're doing it just a little bit more carefully. We we do meal prep together. Um, We're trying to involve our daughter, Veronica, just to keep help at an early age, make her a little bit more aware. Because one of the key things for me to be successful in this is if I prep my meals at the beginning of the week, um, sometimes you have to supplement with midweek because food just doesn't keep that long. But I'm having very similar foods in the middle of the day that I know what the I know what I'm getting. It's exactly what I need. So I, I pull out my little tray and I don't have to worry about my choices. I don't have to have any willpower. I get to eat everything in this tray. <laughs> It's all for me because I, I planned it when I had willpower. And so even if I'm having the worst day, that tray is all mine. So if it's 11 o'clock and I'm getting the munchies and someone brought in Krispy Kreme donuts, I can make the choice of just going eating my lunch earlier. Right? I can satisfy that in a way that's thoughtful. So we're doing that together. She's also on a journey. She's just not tracking. And so we just support each other. You know, She's like, nope, I can't do that. You shouldn't either. And um, I think getting on the same page, it really makes it a lot easier to support each other. And I'm a big guy. I, I, I weigh 50% more than she does. And that might even be generous to me, not to her. So I can eat a lot more food than her. And so she also has asked me to remember that you know, when we're out. you know, And I'm saying, let's get another glass of wine because my metabolism can handle that. She doesn't need that. So we have to. it goes both ways. I'm not sure that answered your question, Kaylin, but she and I have been in a rhythm for many years where we try to support each other in our goals. We're human. Some days we're good. Some days we're not. But we try to communicate what it is, why it's important to us, and why it's important to our marriage. And when we do that effectively, we tend to be a lot better at supporting each other. Just to clarify too, like I even just saying it out loud and knowing what you want to achieve, often we don't do that. We go on these goal journeys by ourselves. And it's sort of this secret mission that we just want to do. And it's so much harder. And having a community that supports you, whether it's your partner or your family or whatever it is, just having that sort of built-in accountability, even if they're not on the journey with you, it's it's extra special when they are. But just having that sort of the audience and the cheerleaders and the people to say, yeah, this you said this was important to you. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And the other part is why it's important to you and why it's important to us. And that's something I I try to get people to focus on. I think we all know when we're preparing to go down a 66-day challenge, it's going to be some work and why we want to do it. If we want our partners, our friends, our kids' help, sometimes you have to communicate the win for everybody and give it a little bit bigger context than just you. Sometimes it's also communicating what's at stake if you don't. So there's the win and then there's the, the potential loss. And depending on where you're at and what it is, either one can be more motivating. Yeah, that's true. Great point. Talk a little bit about the halo effect. There's a lot of words and buzzwords and habit formation that are out there. What does that actually mean? 
So this is the group out of Australia that we talked to when we were documenting habits. And they had been following group um, a group for close to a year. And they started noticing that the people that were successfully forming a habit started reporting weird stuff like, hey, I've started making my bed and I'm starting to show up places on time and I've got fewer, like literally weird stuff, like fewer dirty dishes, right? I'm keeping my car clean. And um, when we chatted, I mean, the, here's the nearest we can determine. There's no real, that I'm aware of, hard research, but it is something that researchers have observed. And the theory that I subscribe to is that most of the time, most of us feel like we're being swept along, that we're racing from one obligation to the next. I've got to be at work. I've got to pick up my kids, right? Oh, gosh, we're out of groceries. I got to go to the grocery store. And everything feels urgent. And everything feels just kind of at the edge of our control. By design, when you choose one of these challenges and you pick something really small, right? Um, I'm just going to meditate for five minutes or I'm going to walk around the block or I'm going to do that small, whatever that smallest domino is. I'm going to drink an extra glass of water a day. People start to be successful and they realize they actually have agency in their lives. They're like, wow, I can change things. I can make an impact. And that confidence and that sense of agency allows them to start adding to it. You know, without formally starting a new habit, that sense of control gets them to start doing more positive things in their life. So that's what I think is happening. I've observed it in my own life. I definitely feel when I am that sense of righteousness, when you're like, I'm nailing it, I'm doing this thing, I'm doing this thing, and it's hard, but I'm still doing it. The other things that seem kind of hard, you're like, well, I can probably do that too. So I just think it's confidence and agency. And sometimes you mentioned those those other things that happen. It's not always a linear path, right? It's sort mm-hmm. of the unexpected that you don't like less dishes. That's amazing to me. But also it's <laughs> planning to have less dishes maybe doesn't change your life. But being the kind of the person that has the agency to take control of their days, that's very empowering. And that actually yeah. has so much impact on the next thing. Yeah, it's weird, random stuff. It's not like, oh my gosh, my bank accounts balance balance is all doubled, right? It's not miracle territory, but it is like enough to notice. Okay, other things are going right, and it seems to be connected. Well, and also that like transformation when you start to notice these thinking evolutions, actually, they start to they start to domino effect on themselves, right? Like once you think that that is possible, so much more becomes possible, and then the behavior change just follows in all those other areas. And you and I have seen that in our community a hundred times over, right? People start with these little things and then they're able to tackle bigger and bigger ones. And that is the domino effect, right? We, We get bigger agency. We have more power. We have more control. Like the coolest thing of all is when people have learned, have built the habit of building a habit, right? They've got that groove and they really, really are in the power zone. And I think that's where this identity shift happens. People look back mm-hmm. on the person that they were a year ago, and they are just floored by how much has become possible in such a little amount of time. And it doesn't feel like a lot in the day-to-day. But it's right. when you have that gift of a, a longer runway that you can actually see, and then you can shift into that next gear. Yeah, I think the great truth, and Gary said this in different formats, is I think we vastly overestimate what we can accomplish in a short amount of time. And we vastly underestimate what we can accomplish over a longer period of time. So this first 66 days, it might feel like you've just made this small change, 
But you add that up over a few years of you living that change and the things that that allows you to do and, and really transformative things happen. Has a compound effect on how we become new people. And, Absolutely. And in the relationships as well, not just the relationship with ourselves, but the relationship with our families and our, and our teams. Mm-hmm. You got it. Love it. Jay, so say I have this really big goal and I want to achieve something, but it's very result-driven. How do I sort of value engineer it backwards to get to that two-inch lead domino? Because sometimes that's the, the tricky part is you know you want to be healthier or you know what? You want to lose a certain amount of weight or you want to be a certain kind of leader. But actually going backwards to find that small activity that can help me on that path, is it can be super challenging. It can. And I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier. I think it starts with a question. And I think you're trying to identify a activity. And the challenge for some people is like, okay, I'm trying to be healthy. Does that mean I need to sleep more? Do I eat better? Do I exercise more? Right? Do I take supplements? Do right? Like there's a lot of activities I can do. And you know, we wrote about this. I want to say it's in chapter 11 of the book, ask bigger questions to get better answers. Um, we have so much information available. We can go on Google. We can Skype with famous people that can give us advice, right? We can do ask me anything. And, and Kaylin, who runs this amazing community around habit formation, can give us advice, right? That's, they might be listening to this, whatever. So you've got all these things out there to try to narrow it down. And I usually just tell people, don't overthink it. If you're in the ballpark, you're in the ballpark. And pretty quickly, you'll know if it's the right thing or if you have to pivot. And it's not like you wasted 10 years of your life. You wasted a week or two. Um, but take a look and don't overthink it. If, they, if you identify four activities that would most influence your health, you're not going to regret doing any of them, right? You know, it might be that you're getting wonderful sleep and that's helping... Um, calm your appetite and give you more energy for exercise, but it's not really directly leading to the weight loss you'd hope. Okay, we'll build that habit and then build on that habit for the next thing. Um, they are cumulative and um, just don't overthink it. When people overthink it, they get tied up in knots and they never start. I think sometimes when that overthinking can happen is when we're in seasons of uncertainty or maybe transition. And it was interesting when I was hearing you talk about your spinal surgeries and that you know this weight just went on, you didn't mention that you also had a lot of professional changes in your life happening right at that season. And you not only had to... You had new responsibilities while also having to take care of your body and try to heal. So as you looked at what you were taking on to be this leader that was now leading a lot of different teams and had new and um, just different responsibilities, what were the habits that you started to identify that could help you on that path? Well, one's mindset, right? Um, I had a coach. I had even transitioned coaches during that period. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) That was Um, a big season. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot. Um, There were a lot that went on. And I realized a lot of the habits I thought that I built that were big enough for the size of my life at the time weren't big enough for the life where I was going. So a lot of my... A lot of the things I thought were stable weren't. A lot of the things I thought were locked in were locked in at the wrong level. And so I had to really do some triage um, and systematically kind of build on the earlier habits and make them better and stronger and build some new ones. But I knew that health was the main thing. I mean, I just had two spinal surgeries, one of them that lasted 13 hours. So my gift and all of that, um, 
the transition to having almost four times as many people report to me to I had lost a dear friend. Um, I had, you know, the health challenges. My wife was having challenges in her business. All of these things come from me. Life doesn't say, hey, Jay's having a bad day. Let's give him a break. Like, that's just that, the way it works. But you still have to prioritize. And the gift to me was that my health was the clear number one. Um, it's not always that way for people. And that's why the framework works. I have all these things that I could be doing. What, to the best of my knowledge, is the one thing I need to do right now? And what's the foundation? And for me, um, my mental health and my physical health, we're going to make everything else possible. And one of the things we joke about, right? We teach the, there's a page 114 of the American edition. It's the seven circles where you apply the one thing, spiritual, you know, physical, personal, key relationships, job, business, money. And one of the things we always say is like, it starts with spiritual, physical, and personal. Because you have to take care of yourself before you take care of the people around you. It's like on the airplane, put the oxygen mask on you first, not the kid. So, you know, you got to take care of yourself so you'll be there for other people. I had to make three, um, I had four open positions that I knew were critical to my success. I had to replace three managers and I had to hire a personal um, EA, someone to help me. And I decided to focus on the three management positions. Um, because many people reported and I didn't want to let all those people down. And I was talking with my coach just recently, you know, even though I've taught that lesson of take care of yourself first a thousand times, I violated it. I focused on those other people. And if I could go back in time, I would have hired, you know, Carly, you know, my current EA. If I could have gotten her in my world earlier, how much faster would I have made those other hires and how much better would have I felt about them more quickly? And it's kind of, you know, lining up your dominoes, like you can do it and do it and the muscles get stronger and we're all on a journey. That's all I can say is we're all on a journey <laughs> and, and life is going to throw you curveballs. And we were talking before we started recording, Kaylin, I mean, life has thrown us all a curveball with this virus that's going around. You know, what we thought was our one thing may no longer be our, our one thing. And so we were all having to pivot. Last year, life threw some curveballs to me personally. Um, we're all facing it right now. That thing that you thought was important to start the year is probably not as important as it was. So how are we all going to pivot to new behavior that will serve us in this climate? What's interesting is when I think about the distractions that were happening like last month for me, they're very different than they are today, right? Yeah. So sometimes things can evaporate that maybe were challenging to uh, you know, remain focused on what mattered most. And in times of transition or uncertainty, sometimes what matters most actually becomes crystal clear. Yeah, and- that is the gift. That is the gift it gives us, is that you tend to get really clear. And I'll just say, me personally, over the course of about three days, that transition happened. So when it happens, it's, it's usually the mental shift first. Do, do we get our head around acknowledging that our cheese has been moved? <laughs> and it's really hard for a lot of people to do. I've struggled with it. You know, my circumstances are different. I have to admit that what I'm currently doing is not serving me anymore. So I have to change. There's a lot of internal resistance to that decision. But the faster we make it, the faster we pivot, the better off we and the people we take care of are. Because now we're better able to do the things that matter in this new environment so that we can take care of ourselves and the people we love. 
And to your point, when you get that mental clarity, sometimes you don't always know the how to like make the things happen. You might know this is what the thing that I need to fight for and this is the priority. And the path may be fuzzy. But oh, yeah. It's a, yeah, and we're always learning and we'll always have new things that are thrown at us. But just getting clarity on what matters most is truly like this lead domino that is so powerful. And it really does help even the way we communicate with each other, the way we move forward towards it. Because when you say, this is the goal and ask for help, sometimes together we can hive mind really great solutions that were totally invisible to us before because it is, it can be very murky and fuzzy during these times where it can be just, Transitional. Well, the the saying I think we have in the book, and it's very true right now, is when you don't know what your one thing is, your one thing is figuring that out. Right? We know that it's shifted and it's murky and unclear. And so we reach out. We reach out to our community. We reach out to the people who know us maybe better than we know ourselves. We reach out to experts. We ask the question and we go searching for the answer. And not having the answer right up front, that's that's life. Sometimes it's crystal clear. Sometimes it's not. I do think we all know directionally that there's a bigger priority, right? Um, in this climate, right? It's 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 not so much maybe about hitting that goal, that our business goal. There's there's bigger things at play. Um, great. Now let's go figure it out, and then let's get after it. Because the faster we do, the faster we serve ourselves and the people that matter to us. So, Kaylin, I guess if we were to kind of wrap this up. You know, it's funny. We started out talking about habits and now we're talking about how we pivot our one thing. Um, when the world shifts, you know, and everything that we thought was true is maybe no longer true, right? It happens. And, you know, right now it's happening with a health crisis that's becoming an economic crisis. But, you know, maybe for someone it's um, a divorce or maybe they're about to have a child or maybe they're about to become an empty nester and, and these other things, right? Life has moved. Um, I think that what's beautiful about understanding how to change behavior and build new habits is when, when life forces us to, at least we have a path. There's a lot of people that are going, I know I need to change, but I don't know how. So at least we've got half the equation. And hopefully, I would just tell people, ask the question, um, is my one thing still my one thing? If it's not, then how do I build the habit that will best serve me and my family and my friends and my partners, right? And, and the people that matter most to me right now. Um, and then you could do a 66-day challenge and get support. If you don't know the answer, there's a community of people out there probably asking a very similar question and we can find it together. But I just do think that it all begins acknowledge that things have changed. Um, the faster we can make peace with that, that what was serving us is probably not servicing at the same level, then we can actually start focusing on taking steps in the new direction and making progress. When things change and those routines change, it's actually this amazing opportunity to do a reset on a lot of behaviors and habits that have been ingrained because we're in a new environment and the, the frameworks that held us up aren't working anymore. And yet it's this weird opportunity to be really intentional about building stronger frameworks that feed those other... that that end goal that we know is true, even though this current cheese moved, we still want to be the person that we want to become. That hasn't changed. It's just how we get there. So how we get there. And, and this climate, so you just made me think of like, we've been talking about this at work. There are a lot of things that three weeks ago, people said, oh, you can't do that. And now because the world's tilted a little bit, everybody goes, well, let's give that a try. 
people who would have never tried to do things different ways because of extraordinary times will say, yeah, let's all try it together. So you might find that you're not alone and you can be kind of forging ahead with a lot of extra help. Absolutely. And the habits that we form, I think that getting really granular about like the small things that might make a big difference. And right now, we're actually launching our next 66-day challenge on March 30th. And what we did at the beginning of the year was as a community, we all got together and said, hey, let's make 2020 a year where we are intentional and we form habits and let's do it together, which we hadn't done in a very like intentional way yet. We hadn't said, okay, this is the start date. Let's rally. We created small groups. And you know what's wild is that as we reached our 66th day, 74.5% of our community was successful. In That's that, amazing. Yeah, yeah. In that they stayed the 66 days. Not everybody says, hey, it's fully a habit. But they said, you know what? When I was ready to bail, I had a group of people that were not going to let me do that on myself. They weren't going to let me give up on myself just yet because they were in it with me. And that the idea that together in this moment where we all have a shared experience, we also can share these positive experiences and grow towards That's something cool. important. And I mean, I got to say, here's this new tool that you've discovered as a group that we can be more successful together. And right now, there's a lot of people asking, what's my new one thing? So what a cool thing for maybe to take that new one thing and on a new journey with people to support you and have a roughly negative 75% chance, basically, chance of being successful. Yeah. And it's been a really cool relationship building experience as well. Not only have we formed habits, but we formed new relationships with people all over the globe that are doing different things, the same thing, shared. Like I'm on a, I was on a daily movement where I was going on a daily walk. I'm still walking every day, but in my group, I had people doing yoga every day or going for a run. And there's something pretty powerful when you're all doing the same sort of activity together. And when it rained, I was like, hey, what's your, what's your alternative plan? What do you do when the weather is terrible? And to have people shout out what they do, whether it's a dance party or whether it's a home workout. Not only have we all had these powerful moments where we were able to form habits, but we also had a community experience that has been like none other. Love it. Love it. I actually saw you walking with Brent earlier today in home. <laughs> I know. We were like, hey, was that Jay Papasan? <laughs> yeah. Out yep. doing your own thing. I love <laughs> indeed, it. Indeed, indeed. Thanks, Jay. This has been really great. I appreciate it. Uh, I loved it. I love exploring this with you, Kaylin. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. There you have it. Our conversation with Jay Papasan. One thing that really stands out to me is that Jay's experience forming habits has done more than change one behavior at a time in his life. He's actually built the habit of forming habits. And the reason that this is so remarkable is because that habit has given him the clarity he needs to understand the levers that are available to him that he can pull in order to make small changes that add up to big change over time. And for me, my biggest takeaway is that we don't need to overthink this. Sometimes we get so paralyzed by trying to choose the right one thing and All we actually need to do is just point ourselves in the direction of our goals and take the first small step. For you, that first step might be to join our community and jump in during this time when we're forming habits together and gain the accountability and sense of belonging that you need to get through this next season. If that's you, visit theonething.com, that's with the number one in the URL, slash habits. That's where you can join us and you can get your 66-day trial and form a power habit with us. 
We'd love to see you there because these are the small things that make a big difference in our lives. And it's just such an honor to be part of this community that's doing these incredible things. If this episode has brought value to you, who's someone you know or care about that would benefit from listening to it? Would you share it with them? And if you are that person, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so that all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. If this episode has brought value to you, who's someone you know or care about that would benefit from listening to it? Would you share it with them? And if you are that person, welcome to the One Thing Podcast. Click the subscribe button so that all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And for all of you, please consider leaving us a rating or review on your podcast player of choice as it helps us reach far more people. Thanks so much for listening to the One Thing Podcast. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.